slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wednesday Hump Day edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast, and we have got a lot to talk about, and unfortunately, a lot of it is not good for Islanders fans. A difficult-to-watch, painful 6-2 loss at the Barclays Center for the Islanders to the Montreal Canadiens, and all of a sudden, the optimism that was surrounding this team at the trade deadline starting to dissipate, and uh, it's time to sort of take a step back and assess where this team is. The Islanders also dealt with a frightening injury in this game. We'll talk a little bit about that. We also have our weekly farm report, including a trade made by the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And we have this date in Islanders history, a game with a rare double hat trick for the Islanders. So lots to talk about today. Don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, or something you'd like us to discuss, you can email the show. The address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could also follow the show or contact us on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. And you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And we'll keep you up to date on everything happening in and around the New York Islanders. I. Let's get down to business. A 6-2 defeat at the hands of the Canadiens in Brooklyn. But the most disappointing thing about this game was the overall lack of fire, the lack of effort, the lack of uh, hustle that this team showed in all facets of the game. Tomas Grice got the start for the Islanders. Carey Price was the goaltender for the Canadiens. The scratches for the Isles, Noah Dobson, Ross Johnston, Otto Koivula, Tom Cunackle, and Andrew Ladd. But this game started off poorly and sort of went downhill from there. Islanders just not getting a lot of pressure on the Montreal goal, and that started the game off as a problem. And it just continued and never really got all that much better, even as the team seemed to get more desperate and and they started to fall behind. The Islanders did have a couple of chances early, although uh, not as many as, as you would want from a team that's supposed to be hungry and fighting for a playoff spot. Matthew Barzal had a chance, but Price made a pad save and then a three-on-two uh, and Dal Cole had a chance, but Price gloved it and managed to hold on. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, not not getting the job done offensively. And this is a theme that we've seen a lot throughout this season. 
for the Islanders. Now, a turnover in the defensive zone breaks the 0-0 tie at the 13-31 mark of the period. Grice tried to clear the puck, but it was intercepted, and uh, Ben uh, Chario makes the interception, feeds Brendan Gallagher, Gallagher scores, and it's 1-0 Montreal at 13:31, and unfortunately for the Islanders, and it was a deflection uh, by Gallagher, when it rained, it poured. You had the goal at 13:31, two minutes and uh, 12 seconds later, uh, Jeff Perry gets his 11th of the year, Gallagher and Deneau with the assists, that one coming at 15:43, and you know, all of a sudden, it's 2-0 Montreal, and here's a Canadiens team that, you know, defensively has struggled all season, and yet the Islanders not able to get a lot going. So, what happens? You're down 2-0, you're at home, Anders Lee and Christian Folan drop the gloves, and look, Lee is the captain, he's a big guy, fighting is not his forte, but at the same time, he felt responsible trying to rally his team, trying to get some emotional level up. And you would think this is, you know, a typical hockey move. So it's 16-16, five for fighting for Lee and Folan. And hopefully, you know, the Islanders respond. Well, uh, they didn't. And Lee won the fight. You know, that's the kind of thing that you, you think would light a spark under your team. But another turnover in the defensive zone. And Charles Hudson goes high on Grice, beats him. That is his first goal at 18:34. So not only does the fight not spark the team, they play sloppy hockey in their own zone. And bam, with a minute 26 left in the period, the Islanders find themselves down three to nothing. Shots on goal, 12-7 Montreal in that period, and it just wasn't looking pretty. For the New York Islanders at that point. They just looked listless. And that's something you can't afford to do. Now, after the first period was over, Barry Trotz decides he's seen enough. Tomas Grice comes out. In comes uh, Simeon Varlamov. And look, I understand why the change was made. You're trying to light a spark under your team. But here's the flip side to that. It's hard for Tomas Grice to be effective and consistent when he's not playing very much. And, you know, when Varlamov makes six straight starts and then gets another start, you know, uh, Grice is not going to be as sharp as he was during the time of the goaltending rotation. Not saying he played well in this game, because he most certainly did not, but at the same time, you can understand why he was struggling. He allowed three goals on... 12 shots, and then Trotz predictably starts shifting the lines around. Nelson centering Clutterbuck and Bavillier to start the period, for example. And, you know, part of that was because Anders Lee was still in the penalty box, but man, oh man, it just wasn't pretty. And Barzal took a hard, hard hit uh, from Christian Folan uh, midway through that second period, and the Islanders you look, at least Barzal, first of all, got up. He took him a little while, but he got up. But finally, the Islanders get a power play. Max Domi off for tripping Clutterbuck at 
11.35, and the Islanders desperately, desperately needed to get something going with the man advantage. Instead, it goes the other way. Paul Byron manages to get a backhanded shot off, beats Varlamov. It's a shorthanded goal at 12.35. Byron's fourth, Joel Armia with the only assist, and all of a sudden, it's 4 nothing, and you know, folks, that the air is out of the tires, if it was even in there to begin with. Islanders got a second power play chance late in the period as Wheelett was off for holding Pajot, but the Islanders again unable to cash in. After two periods, trailing 4 to nothing, Habs out shooting the Islanders 17-14. We'll be back to analyze the third period, plus the farm report, this date in Islanders history, and a big injury update, plus a lot more. Stay with us on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so we get to the third period. Islanders obviously in desperation mode. And to their credit, it looked like they had gotten on the board just 17 seconds into that third period. But Anders Lee got into the crease, put the puck into the net, but it was clearly a distinct kicking motion. The goal does not count, and it is still a 4-0 hockey game. And again, no momentum. You know, just when you thought that, okay, we're down 4-0, just a couple of seconds into the period, we're back in it. Nope. And again, deflating. Now, to their credit, the Islanders did not entirely quit. Nice play by Josh Bailey to intercept the puck from Price to capture it. He feeds Brock Nelson. Nelson scores his 24th at 6-14, and it's a 4-1 game. But now is the time. Down three, you still have 13, more than 13 and a half minutes left. You're at home. You're playing by record, at least, an inferior opponent. Now's the time that you expect this team to put all kinds of pressure on the opposing goaltender. But it did not happen. And at 8.42 of the period, the injury taking place, and it was a scary moment. Johnny Boychuk took a skate to the face. He rushed off the ice as uh, Arturi Lenkonen's blade got him in the face. You could see the uh, the rush that the players had to get him off the ice. Hopefully he's okay, but it really was a scary moment. And that had to further sort of paralyze the Islanders as uh, uh, Boychuk headed off the ice. Later on now, with the Islanders unable to generate much offensively, the Habs add uh, another goal. Jordan Wheel, his eighth from Laconen at 15:28. A little less than a minute after that, Islanders add a power play goal as Pulak gets his eighth from Nelson and Jordan Eberle at 16:21. But just if you thought maybe there was a slimmer slither of hope, uh with three and a half minutes left in the game. Joel Armia gets his 16th, a shorthanded empty net goal at 17-10. Put it in the books at 6-2, Montreal, and the Islanders handed an embarrassing defeat overall. And, uh, you know, that shorthanded goal actually came with the team down a, a man. They were down two men during one of the goals. You look at the numbers overall, and they were just plain ugly. Yeah, Brock Nelson 
had a goal and uh, an assist. He had a two-point night. But Jean-Gabriel Pajot, minus five in this game. Yeah, he did well in the face-off circle, 11 wins in 16 draws. Brock Nelson, 13 out of 20. Matthew Barzal, 6 out of 8. But that's about where the good news ends. Pajot, a minus 5. Bavillier and Kamarov, minus 3, as was Pulak. A lot of guys, minus 2. Scott Mayfield, somehow, uh, and Josh Bailey were the only two Islanders who were plus 1 in this game Hits-wise, six for Matt Martin, six for Cal Clutterbuck. Uh, blocked shots, not a lot going here. Taze leads the team with three. Ice time, Ryan Pulak with 23 minutes, 20 seconds. Among the forwards, Eberly with 20 minutes, 40 seconds. Barzal, 20 minutes, 21 seconds. But overall, at the end of the day, you look at the shot chart, and the big problem there just weren't enough of them. 22 shots on goal. The Islanders were shut out in their last game. They went, you know, two plus periods in this game without getting a goal. This team does not have enough offense. And I'll tell you something else. I can excuse losing. You, Every team has some bad games. But you can't excuse the lack of hustle the lack of effort, the lack of urgency that you saw from this Islanders team. You are at home in the middle of a playoff chase, and you're playing a team that is clearly below you in the standings, a team that you should beat, and you don't only lose, but you lose looking bad. You fall flat on your face, and all of a sudden, you know, the Islanders are starting to fade out of this playoff picture. They are they are not going to be able to do well and make the playoffs if they keep playing mediocre hockey like this. And you want to hear a statistic? Since that 17-game point streak back in October and November, the Islanders are playing 500 hockey. And if they continue to play 500 hockey in these final 17 games, they're not going to make the playoffs because the other teams around them are going to play better than 500 hockey and the Islanders do not have a cushion right now. Look, they got a little help. The Rangers lost again to the St. Louis Blues, but the Penguins won and the Islanders are now four points behind the Penguins in the standings. Tied with Columbus, for fourth place, although the Islanders still have two games in hand. Carolina, three points behind the Islanders, but the Hurricanes have a game in hand, and the Rangers, just four points behind the Islanders. The Islanders have a game in hand. Folks, the Islanders need to start playing with urgency, or this season that started off with so much promise is going to disintegrate before our eyes. They do not have the goal scoring right now up and down this lineup. There is no sniper. There is no player they can rely on to get goals when they really need them consistently. And the effort just isn't there. And look, Barry Trotz has won a Stanley Cup. 
He has been a consistent winner in the NHL throughout his coaching career. Now is when he has to show how he did that. This is where he earns his money. When your team is slumping, when your team is playing lackluster hockey when they need to be taking it up a notch, that's when the coach earns his money. This team has now lost four straight games, 0-2-2, in their last four. And they lost, you know, four games before that. So, realistically, they are 0 they are 2, 6, and 2 in their last 10 games. And that is quite simply not going to get the job done down the stretch. Next game, Thursday against Ottawa, is now, for all intents and purposes, a must win. Because this team needs to right the ship and regain their confidence. Because, folks, there is no margin for error the rest of the year. All right, we're going to step out. When we come back, we will have our This Date in Islanders history and our forum report, plus a lot more. Stay with us. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Islanders is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Islander fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Islanders fans and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Just text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising to let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. All right, time for this Dayton Islanders history, and when the team is struggling, it's sometimes helpful to go back and remember the glory days. We take you to March 4th, 1982 at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders and Maple Leafs going at it, and the Islanders broke on the board first. Wilf Paymont off for tripping for Toronto, and Dennis Potvin cashes in his 17th goal on the power play from Stefan Pearson and Mike Bossy. 1-0 Islanders. The Islanders added to their lead a couple of minutes later. Tomas Janssen, his eighth from Anders Kaller and Wayne Merrick, and it's 2-0 Isles. Then with Barry Melrose in the penalty box for hooking, Brent Sutter cashes in with the Islanders' second power play goal of the game. It's the 19th for Brent Sutter. Pearson with the assist at 1844, and after 20 minutes, the Islanders led 3-0. In the second period, the Isles add to the lead Mike McEwen, his eighth unassisted at 7.40, and the Islanders led 4 to nothing. The Maple Leafs get on the board Laurie Boschman, his ninth from Trevor Johansson at 10.53. That breaks Billy Smith's shutout, and it's a 4-1 to hockey game. But 
the Islanders get back. Rick Vave in the box for hooking, and the Islanders make them pay. Dennis Potvin, his second of the game, 18th of the season from Stefan Pearson and Brent Sutter at 13.06. And after two periods, it's a 5-1 Islanders lead. The Islanders would add to that advantage. Terry Martin in the box for hooking. And early in the third period, Mike Bossy, his 49th of the year from Pearson and John Tanelli at 30 seconds. Islanders increasing their lead right now to 6-1. to one. Then it's Wayne Merrick, his 11th from Dwayne Sutter at 5.53. And Bossy, his 50th at 7.46 from Tonelli and Brian Trottier. And Bossy again to complete the hat trick at 18.17 is 51st of the year from Dave Langevin. And with 16 seconds left in the game, Dennis Potvin completes his hat trick, his 19th goal of the year, third of the game from McEwen. And the final score in this one, Islanders 10, Maple Leafs 1, Billy Smith making 31 saves to get the win. Neither Michelle Bunny, LaRock, or Vincent Tremblay could do much in this game. LaRock got the start allowed the first six goals, but at the end of the day, it was all Islanders. Mike Bossy and Dennis Potvin with hat tricks. Bossy added an assist for a four-point night. Stefan Pearson with four assists. And then uh, a lot of two-point nights here. Tonelli, Brent Sutter, Wayne Merrick, Mike McEwen, all with two points in this game. Islanders dominating play. Mike Bossy leads the way with six shots. Dennis Potvin had five. Islanders beating the Maple Leafs 10-1. to on this date in Islanders history, March 4th, 1982. All right, it's time for our weekly farm report. We talk about all things Bridgeport Sound Tigers. And the Sound Tigers played three games this past weekend. A Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back-to-back situation, which is not easy on these players. And the results were mixed. On Friday, a 6-3 win over the Springfield Thunderbirds. Two goals for Kiefer Bellows, who is back with Bridgeport after his stint with the Islanders. Thomas Hickey with three assists in this game. Uh, And both Hickey and Sebastian Ajo were plus four. Christopher Gibson, 37 saves in goal, and he kept this team in. Islander, uh, excuse me, Sound Tigers outshot 17 to 6 in the first period, but only trailed 2 to nothing in Gibson with a strong game that allowed his team to come back and win. On Leap Day, Saturday, the Islanders Farm Club losing to the Rangers Farm Club as Bridgeport fell to Hartford 3 to 1. Nick Schilke with the only goal. The Sound Tigers outshot 43-27, to and uh, that certainly was not going to get the job done. Uh, the last goal in this game was an empty netter, but this season, the Sound Tigers just won 5-2 against the Hartford Wolfpack. Jared Carreau had 35 saves for Bridgeport, but then left the game with some discomfort late and Christopher Gibson came in and made five saves in relief. Overall, the Sound Tigers were outshot again, 43-27. to And yes, 
they are allowing too many shots on goal. They did manage to tighten things up on Sunday, but they still fell a one to nothing loss to the Binghamton Devils. Gibson with 27 saves, and the only goal he allowed came on a five-on-three shorthanded situation. Yanni uh, Kukanen with the goal, and this was the fifth time this season that the Sound Tigers have been shut out, so that is obviously uh, a little bit discouraging. But with that in mind, the Sound Tigers making a trade. They acquired forwards Terry Broadhurst and Cedric Lacroix from the Charlotte Checkers in exchange for Ryan Bork. Broadhurst is 31. He is a minor league veteran. So far, seven assists in 29 games with Charlotte and also had played with the Toledo Walleye of the East Coast League. So the former Nebraska Omaha player, uh, former CCHA all-rookie player, now a member of the Sound Tigers, LaCroix Younger, 25, has played 11 games with Charlotte so far, but also played with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits of the East Coast League. So essentially, uh, you're talking about acquiring two minor league players who hopefully will help this team add a little bit more juice and a little bit more depth right now to their lineup. We look at the week to come, and uh, right now, Friday, March 6th, it is a road trip. The Sound Tigers will be at the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Saturday, March 7th, at the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. Both of those games, a 7.05 start. And then the third game of this three-game back-to-back-to-back weekend road trip, again at Lehigh Valley, a 3.05 start on Sunday afternoon. Look, it's not too late to save this season, but the Islanders need to get themselves in gear, and they need to do it right away. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll have a full preview of the game with Ottawa. Plus, we'll have some ideas on what the Islanders can do to turn things around. We'll also have an update on the uh, injury to Johnny Boychuk with that big skate laceration to the face. Again, too many times this is happening to the Islanders. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.